0: Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's dc.org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So, today I've been asked to speak for this Sunday uh, Sunday class. And um, the topic I gave to Ananda Vindavan Mataji was attempt, uh, attempt at dovetailing, offerings of a weakened heart. So I compare my heart to a weakened heart. And the attempt or the effort to dovetail whatever we do, whatever I do, to Krishna consciousness as the basis upon which I'm speaking. And I will uh dive a little bit towards the end of the class more specifically to some of the initiative that I was involved in when while I was on deployment recently in the Middle East um if as you all may know I'm also in the United States Army Reserve so every now and then I'm called upon to go into active duty and support operations around the world so uh, without much ado I would like to select a verse for today which is in Bhagavad Gita uh chapter 18 text 78 bhagavad-gita chapter 18 text 78 of course that happens to be the very last verse of the bhagavad-gita and he was spoken by vidur i mean by by sanjee as uh, sanjaya himself who happened to be the narrator to uh king uh, dritarashtra so yata Shwara krishna yatra parto so what this, the translation is wherever there is Krishna, the master of all mystics, and wherever there is Arjun, the supreme archer, there will also certainly be opulence, victory, extraordinary power, and morality. That is my opinion. So in other words, this is a very, this is a specific verse that was not spoken by Krishna or Arjun himself. It was actually spoken by Sanjaya. And it's quite interesting because I, I, I'll be honest with you all. I love this verse a lot. And so here's the PowerPoint from Srila Prabhupada. The Bhagavad Gita began with an inquiry by Drita Rastras. He was hopeful of victory of his sons assisted by great warriors like Bhishma, Drona, and Karna. He was hopeful that the victory would be on his side, but after describing the scene on the battlefield, Sanjaya told the king, quote, you are thinking of victory, but my opinion is that where Krishna and Arjuna are present, there will be all good fortune, Unquote. He directly confirmed that Dhritarashtra could not expect victory for his side. Victory was certain for the side of Arjuna because Krishna was there. Krishna's acceptance of the post of charioteer of Arjuna was an exhibition of another opulence. Krishna is full of all opulences, and renunciation is one of them. There are many instances of such renunciation for Krishna. He is also the master of renunciation. The fight was actually between Duryodhana and Yudhishthira. Arjuna was fighting on behalf of his elder brother Yudhishthira. Because Krishna and Arjun were on the side of Yudhishthira, Yudhishthira's victory was certain. The battle was to decide who will rule the world. And Sanjaya predicted that the power will be transferred to Yudhishthira. It is also predicted here that Yudhishthira, after gaining victory in this battle, will flourish more and more. Because not only was he righteous and pious, but he was also a strict moralist. He never spoke a lie during his life. There are many less intelligent persons who take Bhagavad Gita to be a discussion of topics between two friends on a battlefield. But such a book cannot be scripture. Some may protest that Krishna incited Arjuna to fight, which is immoral. But the reality of the situation is clearly stated. Bhagavad Gita is the supreme instruction in morality the supreme instruction of morality is stated in the ninth chapter in the 13th, in the 34th verse mamana baba one must become a devotee of krishna and the essence of all religion is to surrender unto krishna sarva dharma ekam sharanam the instructions of bhagavad gita constitute the supreme process of religion and of morality all other processes may be purifying and may lead to, the pro- to this process, but the last instruction of the Bhagavad Gita is the last word in all morality and religion. Surrender unto Krishna. This is the verdict of the 18th chapter. From Bhagavad Gita, we can understand that to realize oneself by philosophical speculation and by meditation is one process. But to fully surrender unto Krishna is the highest perfection. This is the essence of the teachings of Bhagavad Gita. The part of regulating principles according to the old orders of social life and according to the direct, the different courses of religion may be a confidential part of knowledge. But although the rituals of religion and confidential meditation and cultivation of knowledge are still more confidential and surrender unto Krishna in devotional service, in full Krishna Consciousness is the most confidential instruction, that is, the essence of the 18th chapter. Another feature of Bhagavad Gita is that the actual truth is the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, and the absolute truth is realized in three features, impersonal Brahman, localized Paramatma, and ultimately the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna. Perfect knowledge of the absolute truth means perfect knowledge of Krishna. If one understands Krishna, then all the departments of knowledge are part and parcel of that understanding. Krishna is transcendental, for he is always situated in his eternal potency. The living entities are manifested of his energy and are divided into two classes, eternally conditioned and eternally liberated. Such living entities are innumerable and they are considered fundamental parts of Krishna. Material energy is manifested into 24 divisions. The creation is effected by eternal time and it is created and dissolved by external energy. This manifestation of the cosmic world repeatedly becomes visible and invisible. It's a very long purport, so please bear with me, I'm getting close to, to it. In Bhagavad Gita, five principal subject matters have been discussed. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, material nature, living entities, <clears throat> eternal time, and all kinds of activities. All is dependent on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. All conceptions of absolute knowledge, impersonal Brahman, localized Paramatma, and any other transcendental conceptions exist within the category of understanding the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although, specifically, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the living entity, the material nature, and time appear to be different. Nothing is different from the Supreme. But the Supreme is always different from everything. Lord Chaitanya's philosophy of inconceivable oneness and difference, uh, this system of philosophy constitute the perfect knowledge of the absolute truth. The living entity in his original position is pure spirit. He is just like an atomic particle of the supreme spirit. Thus, Lord Krishna may be compared to the sun and the living entities to sunshine. Because the living entities are the marginal energy of Krishna, they have a tendency to be in contact either with the material energy or with the spiritual energy. In other words, the living entity is situated between the two energies of the Lord. And because it belongs to the superior energy of the Lord, it has a particle of independence. By proper use of that independence, it becomes, it comes under the direct order of Krishna. Thus, it attains the normal condition. In the pleasure giving potency. Yes Papa Bashla Prabhiki. Oh my Janati Miranda Jan Jana Shalakaya. Chaksu omel time at my Shigur Maha. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Shri Adwaita Gadada Rasivasari Guru Bakti Vinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hari, Hare Ram Hare Ram, Ram Ram Hare Hari. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, 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 Hare Hare. Yeah. Thank you, Mataji, for giving me the opportunity to speak on this Sunday class and just share my thoughts a little bit from a wavering heart that is unsurrendered. Um, so from this verse, we know that wherever there is Krishna, the supreme person, and wherever there is Arjun, the greatest archer, there's always certainly going to be victory. Of course, that is the opinion of Sanjaya, but it's the opinion of all the Vedanta as well. So I just want to start by remembering one pastime. Um, Some years back, many, many years back, I think it should be no less than, it should be about 14, 15 years back. I went to Virginia. I went to see a very senior uncle, very great soul. Some of you will know him very well. His name is Garuda Prabhu. Garuda Prabhu is a disciple of uh, Srila Prabhupada. So when I went to see Garuda Prabhu, so we got into dialogue about uh, academic activities and how he decided to do a PhD in Vedic studies and the likes. So he he shared with me how the first time he reported to his advisor, the professor asked him, so what do you want to work on? And he said he's going to work on Vedanta philosophy. You know, so, And he asked him, so which aspect of Vedanta? He said, oh, Godia Vaishnava. And then he said, so what is the highest pleasure? What is the highest purpose of the Godia Vaishnava philosophy? And he said, it, it never occurred to him that anyone asked that. But he said, well, it's Krishna Prima. So love of God, pure love of God. And then the professor asked him, so what are you trying to work on? I think he told me what he was trying to work on. I can't remember now. But then his advisor said, no, the highest, the highest, the highest endeavor in that course of spirituality is what you should focus on, Krishna Prima. So pure love of God. So he said, so now he needs to go and explore Madhurya Ras. And he said that was when he realized, having searched through the whole Harvard library and searching all over the place that, not a lot is written on the pastimes of the Lord in terms of his, uh, conjugal relationship in the Madhurya Ras, uh, concept of, you know, Godiya Vaishnavism. The only thing has been more focused on the Das, Das, anudas component, which is that which we are eternally servants and servants of the Lord. So, and actually, the truth is in Vaishnav philosophy to not have a good understanding or good foundation in being a a servant of the servant and trying to understand material rights it, is compared to spiritual, uh, spiritual suicide, which actually that's what it is. It's complete spiritual suicide because the tendency to misconstrue things, look at it from the mundane point of view and then get into serious spiritual trouble and never make progress. Life after life is, is, is very eminent in that regard. So. For a dwelling, I mean, for, for a heart which is so weakened like mine, that can't even come to the platform of the Das, Das, Anudas, um, I, I decided to look at a few things, a, a few concepts in terms of what the whole concept is, based on what Garuda Das Prabhu said and my understanding. So there's one which is com- com- complete sur- surrender. And then, of course, too, you know, the whole society is divided, whether we like it or not, into Varna and Ashram. So... Whether we like it or not, you know, we'll find ourselves in one banner and we'll find ourselves in one ashram. There's no getting around that, except even if you decide to be to roam the street and do nothing, still, you're still going to fall, fall into one aspect of the society or the other. So then it becomes apparent that, so, okay, even in the exhibition, even in being in one banner and ashram, what are the prerequisites? Because every ashram has its own responsibility based on our nature, and every nature is different. Just like Arjun decided that, well, these are my family members, friends, and loved ones right in front of me, and then I'll be responsible for their death. Well, I'm not fighting. And Krishna said, no. It is your response. that's your nature. Your nature is to fight. So in the same spirit, you know, wake up and do what is considered to be Your duty, and they say we cannot do somebody else's duty. So, in the concept of Vana and Ashram, there is the aspirations that comes with it, and those aspirations are further split up into the Purusha Ata, which is like you know we want to live harmoniously and we want to do what is right and at least be religious, which brings us into the point of view of Dharma. And of course, too, we we aspire for prosperity in some ways. So. Which is the outer part of it, and then of course the karma and moksha part of it, which is the liberation. So the karma aspect has to do with fulfillment of desires and the moksha, which is liberation. That okay, so when I die, wherever I die, however I die, will I be liberated? That becomes a question. Will I be able to get off from the circle of birth and death, you know, samsara? So that that's also is is present. But in Gaudiya Vaishnava philosophy, it's almost like, well. We are expected to carry out our responsibility, but if we carry out our responsibility in harmony with environment, in harmony with nature, in harmony with other living entities. And if by virtue of carrying out our responsibility, which is our dharma, and what is our dharma, our dharma is you know eternal servant to the Lord, you know, again to be a servant of the servant. So if in the course of carrying out our responsibility, other things come forward which obviously they always do. You know, sometimes, you know, in the course of worship and servitude, you know, you may run into prosperity. So what do you do with the prosperity? They say we should have to turn around and give it back to Krishna or make sure that whatever it is, you know, we have a way to give back to Krishna. And of course, too, there will be happiness and fulfillment of desire that comes from it. So what do we do? We are not going to, we are not encouraged to, to look down on all of those things that comes with you know harmonious living and servitude to the Lord. But we have to take all of it and use it back again in the service of the Lord. So and if we do the contrary, then it becomes almost like, you know, it's kamakanda. You know, it's like almost like I'm working for the benefit of what I get. And then um what do I get from it? And it's all for me. So then that kind of activity will in itself you know, implicate us, because then, you know, if you take without recognizing, you know, like in the Upanishad, you know, So if you don't recognize, you know, the Ishwara, the who actually is the provider and offer everything back onto him, then it becomes implicated. Then we get, we kind of like get roped back in. So, okay, you took, so there's consequences for taking. So unless we give back in some way to the Lord, then we get roped in. So this is where I'm looking at the do- dovetailing component of you know my conversation. Uh, now, if we talk about you know the uh, the Dharma, Atta, Karma, Moksha, which you know it's all supposed to be in harmony. It's supposed to be pursued simultaneously, and of course, too, the harmonious living and the harmonious service. no you know, carrying out our responsibility based on our you know. Based on Avana and Ashram, all of that also should come back to the Lord as an offering in one way or the other. And for Godia Vaishnav, uh, how do we offer back to the Lord? You know, the Lord says no one is greater than. There's no one more dear to Him than someone who preaches His glory. So this is this is a society of preachers. You know, we are missionaries right? by by its core nature. We are all supposed to be missionaries, and the intent is we always look inward and see. Ask ourselves, how can I Spread the glories of the acharya. Spread the glories of you know Lord Krishna. Spread the glories of his devotees far and wide. How can I give it up? Culminating ultimately in giving out the holy name, you know, just distributing the holy name, you know, without, uh, with without how do I put it now? Without without consideration for you know class, you no know, race, ethnicity, gender, or all of those social norms or all of those social variegatedness. That it's very common in our society today. So we just distribute the holy name because what does the holy name do? The holy name purifies the heart, you know, cheto dhamanada dapana. So it, it purifies the mirror of the heart, and by so doing, it brings the recipient closer and closer to the supreme Lord. I remember this um, first time I showed up for officer candidate training, and um, that was in Fort Sam Houston, as um, as a new recruit, as a new public health officer, and I showed up, and the sergeant asked me uh, all details, you know, uh, personal informational question, and then he came to my religious background. He asked me what religion, sir, and I said, uh, just the answer I give to people. I just say Hindu, I'm Hindu. And then he clicked on Hinduism, and then he said, which sect of Hinduism? And I was thinking in my mind, wow, even in the United States I Army, mean, they, they know that Hindu is variegated, and then I said, Godia Vaishnava. And I was surprised that they had it in their database, Godia Vaishnava. And they clicked and thanked me. Thank you, sir. And I moved on to the next table. And at that point in time, I thought to myself, my goodness, they even know that Godia Vaishnav exist in the United States Army? And then I said, wow, I was happy. I'll be honest, I was really, really, really happy. And I said, wow, I would really love to serve in this Army and all of it. And over the years, for the first three, four years, I always get every year from the Inspector General's office, I will get a questionnaire that I need to answer, respond to, just for them to check my, you know, up-tempo, just check to see if anyone is discriminating against me because of my religion. Of course, I come with, you know, multiple. So so the, the I intend is okay, is anybody discriminating against him? Because for Godia Vaishnav, there aren't too many of us. Maybe it might be. I don't think we're up to twenty in the whole United States military. I'm count- counting the air force, the navy, the marines, and the, the army itself. I, I'm not sure if we if we're up to twenty. We probably won't be up to thirty. So for that small segment of population, the U.S. government wants to make sure that you know nobody discriminates against us, you know, because of our religious belief, and which is which, I mean, in all candid opinion, I mean, I really appreciate it. and I mean, I, I'm grateful to the government a lot for that. and Kind of like, you know, increase your resolve to be in the service, because then, they look out for everybody. So, if you don't believe in anything, which is the American value, you have a right not to believe in anything. And if you believe in something like a few of us, that are Godia Vaishnavas, yes, it is our right to practice our faith without anyone interfering with it. So, a great American value, you know, to, to that been speaking to over the generations by many scholars and it's still the the belief we all hold. So now in in being able to reach the ultimate goal which Garuda Prabhu said is uh, Krishna Prima uh, and I mean the highest level of being a gopi in Vrindavan even if we are not gopis, even if we are just a grain of sand by the Yamuna or we are just on grass, you know, not too far from Radha Kunda, if we can make it to that level. There's, it, right now that where we are, there are certain things that we need to do. And, you know, are chariots over the years, they told us there are just nine basic processes, nine basic processes. And, you know, they gave those processes, you know, I mean, there's if you turn on YouTube video, there's a thousand renditions on, you know, the nine processes of devotional service, you know. Um, uh, I mean to say the least, you know, there's there's so many renditions. I mean, the one of the one of the ones I like to listen to is the Mana Nanda Bayachara So and of course too, I listen to there's there's just been so many of them. So now the very first of those processes, the very, very first, is hearing. Uh and hearing. And the next one is chanting. And then, of course, remembering. So let's go with hearing first. Hearing, Shravana. So Shravana, we hear all the time. So then they said, uh, one, one comedian one time said, well, he asked the, the, the audience, what are the nine processes of that? What is it very for? And they say, hearing. And I probably said, well, but I can hear. I don't hear. So I'm already a loser. You know so everybody busted out laughing. So, but even if we can hear, We still fall into other categories. At least maybe we can chant. So if we can chant, uh, then they said there is Vishnu Smaranam, which is remembering. So from, uh, hearing Stravanam, it goes to Ketanam, which is, you know, to recite, you know, the pastimes of the Lord. I mean, to, 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 to recite the glories of the Lord or speak about the glories of the Lord. So in hearing, Marat scholar, is kind of like it's the most exalted listener, the most exalted listener in history. And why? Because for seven days, he didn't get up, he didn't take a sip of water, he didn't do anything, he just sat down and just listened to Srimad Bhagavatam. And after the Bhagavatam is over, you know, he left this planet. But, so, um I like when I I'd like to look into the contemporary to say in our contemporary time rather than looking into the past, of course, Marat Parishit, we cannot it's it's important to acknowledge its uh its his hearing uh his, his devotion to hearing at the same time too, in our own contemporary time, there are great souls that have demonstrated the importance of hearing to us too, so i mean if anyone would be glad to give examples, I will appreciate it. If we can unmute and just give examples of one of our contemporary sages or souls that actually demonstrated hearing, that would be appreciated. (laughs) I mean, Chila we we can say Chila Prabhupada demonstrated all the nine processes, but another Vindava Mataji mentions Chila Prabhupada very specifically. I was going to mention it, but I said let me just be quiet and let me encourage participation. Thank you, Mataji, for that. So hearing, um, Marat Pariksit, Srila Prabhupada. Then, the next one is chanting, Ketana. So, one example that is given over the years by, you know, Vaishnava Acharyas is actually that of Srila Sukadeva Goswami, you know, because he spoke, he spoke Srimad Bhagavatam to King Pariksit. So, there's a a devoted listener that is willing to hear all of it. And there is someone who knows the essence, the purpose, he knows the scripture and then he knows the purpose also. And then he delivered it by, you know, actually, you know, reciting it, Ketana. So, can people give a, a, examples in our contemporary time in terms of, you know, uh, chanting Ketana? During the time of Mahaprabhu, Shilaharidas Thakur is noted to be the Nama Acharya. So, and recently, even though Japa Takuma went through all kinds of bodily discomfort and surgery, after he came out of that, he counted the number of days back from the time he was sick and on a sick bed. And he decided he's going to pay back the entire Japa for that period of time. Uh, even though I, I can, you know, been in the military, I can run three miles, you know, conveniently. I can lift 100 pounds conveniently. In spite of all the strength that I have, the Holy Name is wanting I still can't lift. It's almost like a struggle for me to chant every day. It's, it's, it's a struggle. So it shouldn't be like that. So that speaks to something. It's just a weakened heart. So when the heart is weak, the, 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 the ability to actually carry out, you know, sadhana bhakti, it can be, can be, it's visible. Oh, somebody, oh, Ahindra Prabhu, is that what he's saying? Prabhu? Are you talking about Ahindra Prabhu? You mean Ahindra Prabhu? Am I right? Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mataji. Yes. So, yes. Actually, Ahindra Prabhu is the epitome. Um, I've had so many people. i never met Prabhu my whole life but before he left the planet. But those who have met him, like my very dear god brother, Gopa in Vrindavan, uh, Gopal is one of those Midanga, play, Midanga players, you know, for Ainda Prabhu. And everyone I met, they have only great things to tell about Prabhu. Of course, I have some of his, uh, I downloaded some of his music from Apple Music, and those like uh, Dust of Braja, you know, uh, and the likes. Those are, those are just eternal melodies that you listen to it, and you just keep listening, you can't stop listening. And the 24 hour Ketan speaks to that. 24 hour Ketan speaks specifically to that. I mean, having Ketan for 24 hours, Govinda, now that's, that speaks a lot about, you know, about the individual and the mind and, and where the mind is actually, it's actually, the mind is actually at the feet of Radha Govinda. There's no doubt about that. Yes. Thank you, Ainda Prabhu. Thank you so much for that. So it comes down to the third one is remembering Vishnu Smarana. Of course, in the Gita and Vaishnavacharya, they spoke so much when it comes to Vishnu Smaranam, they actually speak to Prahlad Maharaj that Prahlad Maharaj never forgets Krishna. Even though he's, you know, he's a young boy, really young, and, you know, his father put him through all kinds of torments. <coughs> but still, he never forget Krishna. He never forget Krishna. I think if we look back, uh, we look at the life of Srila Prabhupada, on that under on that Jaladutra ship, um, that, this, that poetry that I wrote at that point, when it got turbulent, like, uh Krishna Tapa, Punya, habeba so, it's, it, it's kind of like, summarizes the essence, to me personally, I'm just speaking for myself, not for anyone, I'm speaking for myself, it, epi- it epitomizes the essence of remembering of Krishna, that, you know what, you can go through, Whatever it is, whatever it is, if you have that great soul, like Sri Bhakti Saraswati, you know, who will deliver Krishna to any soul on this, on this planet, you are guaranteed that you will gain the eternal, eternal feet, you know, of, you know, Sri Sri Radha and Krishna. I mean, that, that song is, I mean, that, that particular, uh, diary, I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but, it's, it's very, very, it's very touching and it displays how, where Prabhupada's heart is when it comes to, you know, remembering. Prabhupada is never, never forget Krishna. Krishna also never forget Prabhupada. Uh, there's, there's, there's a level of truth to that. Prabhupada, I mean, Krishna never forget. They never left each other. So, I mean, before I started, I mean, there's this aspect about talking about souls, you know, some of us, you know, we are, we are eternally, you know, falling. I am eternally falling. But even though I'm falling, I still have a chance because I have great souls like you, huh? like my guru, like Shilap Prabhupada, who are eternally liberated that purposely come just to help us, just to help people like me. So that in itself, even if the whole world falls and we're going through what we're going through right now, running away from, you know, a piece of protein, it's more protein that actually can kill us in no time, uh, but still, there is the real the, the realization that you know it's been a life of great measurable fortune, immeasurable fortune, just by association with Vaishnavs and Vaishnavis, just by meeting pure devotees and meeting all those pure souls. Because anyone that walks into a temple is not an ordinary soul. I mean, by consideration, let's face it, you know, it, it, it's it's also based on Punya. So if you don't have enough piety, you will never see Radha Govinda. It's not, it's not, except, there's there's still exception to every rule too. So, you know, except if, you know, you are fortunate to, you know, just be fortunate, you know, just come mercy of, you know, of the great souls, except by the mercy of the great souls, then you may see Radha Govinda. So to walk into, you know, to walk into Potomac and see Madame Mohan, Sitaram, Lashman, Anuman, and Gorin Thai, whoever does that, even if they only come once on our only festival and they never showed up, whoever is there on that day deserves a lot of respect because we don't know where they're coming from. And they may seemingly be where they are right now. They may be one of those advanced souls that we don't really know anything about. I mean, that's that's my perception and that's... Uh, all my life since I started going to the temple in Ibadan, Nigeria, everybody I see walk into our temple for the first time, I don't see them as ordinary personality because the temple, Shiloh Proper say, that's the embassy to Goloko Bindaban. That's where you go to apply for your visa. So that's that's the consulars, you know, all the from the temple president to the temple commander to the person who wash pots and clean the floor, they are the embassy officials. So if by their mercy, we get that visa and then we can go. But also to even those who walked in to apply for this visa, uh, they are not ordinary souls. Out of seven billion population, you know, only a few, you know, only a few have that great fortune and they are not ordinary also too. So remembering, oh wait, so I didn't see anyone give me an example of remembering. on remembering Vishnu Maranam. All right, we'll move on, but please just push it in as you can. I will still go back to it. We have, oh, I have just about 15 more minutes. Okay, so let me rush through this. The time is really not in my favor now. So a servant, so after remembering it's serving the lot to speed of the law, para saver So para saver. Um so serving the lotus to speed of the law. So the example they gave is way too advanced for me to understand, which is Lashmi, the goddess of fortune, who is always rested in you know, at the feet of Lord Vishnu and serving the Lord. So, they con- that's the example given for para but if we have some, <clears throat> uh if we can get some more examples, which point to contemporary, you know, examples, that would be helpful. So, and then there's a the deity worship, Achanam, deity worship, which they do in our temple, 24-7. Some of us do it in our home, we serve the deity in our homes, and but, dating worship, of course, in one of the yugas, that's the primal means by which you can attain love of God. And then praying to Vandana. I mean, this prayer, I remember when I, this prayer, one thing I want to remember is specifically Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada, when he used to live, when he used to, when he used to live in Vrindavan, in the temple of Mother Mohan, they said, Srila Prabhupada, every morning when he wakes up, he's going to clean the temple. He will clean, he sweeps the outside, the perimeter of the temple. And every morning when he's sweeping, he is crying and praying and really crying. And this story was told by my Guru Maharaj. And there's a gentleman on the other side of the fence. Every time you he hear somebody weeping and crying loud, every morning he didn't know who it was. So one morning, he climb the wall to see who is there. He saw it was, you know, Bhaktivedanta Swami. And he was wondering why he's crying. So, but many years later, he find out that all the Western devotees he was seeing were disciples of Bhaktivedanta. He said, oh, his prayers were answered. Oh, his prayers were answered. So, Srila Prabhupada also exhibits that aspect of, you know, actually, Vandana, you know, we have to pray. So, just in my own case, one time I, um, my god-brother, you know, Swami, asked me, there was something I was endeavoring in, and then he asked me about it, and I said, well, I don't want to go to the, I don't want to go to the Lord and start begging for that to happen, and he laughed. He said, "Pritu, are you a pure devotee right now? You've become, you know. <laughs> so I said, no. I said, no, Mara. He said, well, he said, look, every preaching I endeavor to go to, everywhere I go to preach, every campus I walk into, I pray. To the guru, I pray to Krishna before I step my feet there. Because he said anything that, anything that will happen will happen. Anything can happen and disrupt your preaching. He said, but I will pray and beg for them to make it a success. He said, so you have to pray. Just go to the Lord and pray. Don't hesitate to say you're thinking that, oh, I'm asking the Lord for a favor. Just pray. So I think Vandanam is important. We have to pray and ask the Lord to give us, you know, a shelter, give us the strength to serve him, give us the strength to chant, give us the strength, most of all, above all else, to preach his glories. Because at this time, more people need the mercy of the Lord, and we happen to be the, the, the carrier. We're just the mailman. We are, we are the post office servant. We work at the post office for the Lord. So we have to deliver that mail, like, you know, someone would say. And then, of course, after prayer, Vandanam is executing his order, Dasyam, you know, carrying out his order, no matter what. And Anuman is the example that I was giving here. And let me quickly rush through this. The 8th is serving as a friend, Sakyam, and nine is complete surrender, Akman Ivedana. So um, Atman Ivedana, Bali Maharaj, is kind of like giving us the perfect example of complete surrender. And if we look around these days, it's not difficult to see. Most of Vashjana's devotees, They've lived in Vrindavan for 20, 30 years, even though they come back to the West this time around, they're not doing anything different. They're still preaching wherever they find themselves. And they've exhibited that aspect. It's not, of course, Bali Maharaj is the epitome of Atmanivedanam, but you know, all these souls that left home when they were young, some of them just finishing college, some of them even just completely dropped their college work and moved to India. They preach for many years, turn gone around, turn gone into a household name in, in India. And some of them are coming back now. Some of them stay there. They displayed They are the epitome. And the sacrifice they made, too, can be easily overlooked, but it's immense, you know, because, you know, some raised their kids there. Some never had kids. You know, some just took to the life of renunciation from the time they got there up until now. It's all sacrifices. And if we look at it very closely, we can't say it's not complete surrender. In my opinion, I'm sorry, because that's the level of understanding that it's complete surrender because when you give up everything else that you could have done based on what you have and based on your potency and capability right now and say well I'm just gonna go educate school kids in Vindavan I'm just gonna go preach in Uttar Pradesh I'm just gonna go open a center in the middle of Delhi I'm just gonna go open a hospital it's it's something It's, it's, it's surrender and it cannot be minimized we have to acknowledge and appreciate and See from the point of view that we are actually seeing pure souls right in front of us, even though seemingly, you know, certain limitations that we see as human beings may cover up that and doesn't let, let us see the, the the reality. So of all these nine, even if we cannot do all the nine, Shilarupa Goswami said there are five that are principal. Out of those five, one is residing in the holy place and then worshiping the deity, reciting Srimad Bhagavata, serving a devotee. And of course, to chanting the holy name, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So chanting the holy name, so those five. But even if we can carry out the five, what can we do? Can we actually do one? Of course, chanting, you know, if we cannot hear, if we are dead, at least we can chant. So chanting is recognized, and of course, it's Yuga Dharma too, so in this age, no, there is nothing else. Eva Kevalam. So there is no other means by which we can reach the Lord in this age other than to chant his glories. So so what are the qualifications? So some scholars of course recommend complete renunciation and you know knowledge and renunciation in combination. Uh, but for us, it's good to have knowledge so that we know what we're doing. Why do we go in, why when we go into temple why do we go to the temple? It's pilgrimage to go. I get up, get in my car, I drive to the temple. It is pilgrimage. It's not different from if I actually live in Delhi and I walk all the way to Brindavan. No, it's, it's pilgrimage, yes, but you know, everybody has it's almost like Hanuman and the aunt. So everybody is doing based on their capacity and the Lord appreciates every effort. He never forgets any he never forget. So if I show up, uh, as long as I know a little bit, we have to know a little bit about what we do. Why do I ring the bell before I go in the temple? Why do I bow down? There's a significance to that. There's a benefit for buying down before the deity. Why do I offer based the spiritual matter? There's a benefit that comes with that. Why do I take the China meter? There's a benefit to that. And all of these are, they are all encompassing to make us, they are in wholesome, they pull us towards the Divine Love in some ways. So very quickly, um, just the, I was in the Middle East. I was actually in the country of Qatar the last one year. And in the military, it's always been my perspective has always been, how do I make Krishna available to people that I come by? And one of the things I tell myself is even my example alone, because a Swami once told me when I said I was joining the military, said, "Oh, go and show them how to be a Brahman, Brahmana." One thing I know is my example alone. This is a place where, you know, alcoholism, is. they are discouraging it these days, but it's a common thing. So that's where camaraderie comes. You know, you, everybody feels together, blend together and talk. No, I will not drink. So a lot of times they will give me the key to the car. So even wherever they're going, wherever they go, I go. So, but there are things I will not do, and which are things that my gurumara doesn't encourage me to do, I will not do. But anything else, I will do as long as it conforms to expectations. So, uh, many instances, you know, we're going out and people will just come in and call say, Major A, can you just be be our DD for today? I'm okay, I'm open to it. If I'm willing to go, yes, I will go. So, but I don't count like shield myself away from going, I go everywhere. On my post, one of the things I did was, uh, I just went to the XO. I requested that. I've been doing yoga for the last 20-something years. Uh, can I teach yoga on police? Oh, absolutely. So immediately, they put me on schedule on for on the main gym. So every Tuesday, I select my own time. Every Tuesday morning, I mean Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday morning and Thursday evening, I teach yoga. So i would do Hatha yoga from 6.40 in the morning to 7:15, seven fifteen, 7.20 every Tuesday morning, and then on Thursday evening, i do yoga again in the evening from 6.30. And one of the things that came out of that was on one occasion, the commander decided that oh, because we used to have a staff PT once every month. So staff PT, the staff are like the commander, the executive commander, the deputy commander, the executive officer XO, and all the directors of all programs. Yeah, And they're non-commissioned officer in charge in charge. So they all come together and they do one one unit, one section with lead workout PT for that for that day, for that morning. So they said, well we're going to do yoga. Hey, Major, is going to take us to yoga. They were, because they saw my dedication to the yoga program, they were so impressed. So then the auditorium on this morning, 6 30 in the morning, on this Tuesday morning, the entire gymnastics was filled up. And this is not just the regular staff. It's all program leaders, including the commander. So you can't go any better than that. So we did yoga. And after the yoga, traditionally, I I just make sure everybody hear a little bit about Bhagavad Gita. Uh, not in a way that it sounds like you're proselytizing. But I just sit down and, and I speak a little bit about the importance of yoga and mind control. And how so? Uh, when you're speaking like this, people think they are hearing it for the first time, and they are moved by what they are hearing. So it, it carries a lot of weight. And the only way, and of course, to so add something that wasn't right. Uh, one morning, I went on Japa, and I think maybe some people saw me with the Japa bead, and they feel uncomfortable f- with me from that point on. So I realized that oh, Japa should be done only in my room. I shouldn't go out carrying bead and scare people off or something. So. That I stopped immediately. And, but one soldier out of California, the moment he saw me with that Japa, that early morning, he came to me later in the dining room and asked me, "Sir, are you, do you go to the Hare Krishna temple? I said, yes, I do. So he sat down with me and told me how he's been going to the temple. And from that point on, this young man, every time he see me, you know, if I come for lunch or dinner, he will come to me and ask if he can share the table with me. I said, why not? Absolutely. And when we sit, after we finish eating, we just go into Krishna Leela and discuss some pastimes from the Vedanta. It was very nectarian. And finally, when he was leaving, I gave him a present. Some of the people that come to my yoga class too, I gave Bhagavad Gita or some gift of sort. And the books never stopped coming. Really, I have to be, I have to thank Ananda Bindava Mataji and Lokadasha Prabhu. The books never stop coming. The books never stop coming. Bhagavad Gita, Upanishad, and teachings of, um, all of those books went into two bases. And Udeid base in Qatar is the largest, is the biggest United States Air Force base in the whole of the Middle East. And I stock all their libraries and everywhere I can put, you know, a Bhagavad Gita, I stock it up on. And the base on which I am, every, every residential area, that has a sitting area with a bookshelf, has Bhagavad Gita or at least Upanishad or some of the other books I received. So that's one of the ways in which I felt I can give back to Vaishnavas, I can give back to my Guru Maharaj, and you know support what you all are doing, you know, kind of the mission of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that's one way in which I felt I could do it, and that's the way I did it while I was there. But one, the happiest day during this last deployment was the day before idle idol fetri That was the, the Muslim festival after the after the Ramadan fasting. Actually during Ramadan there is no alcohol. They don't distribute there's no selling of alcohol on the street or drinking on the street. <coughs> so this day and my boss and three of us from the office, they decided they were going out to an hotel to drink and they want me to be the driver, and I can just have the key and we can go out to dinner, they have to drink. So I said, okay. So I took the key, I was driving, got to the first hotel, Sheraton. The hotel said, no, we are not serving alcohol. They went, again, they start calling on the phone, every hotel out in the whole city of Doha, no hotel was serving alcohol. But the whole time this engagement was happening as they were making calls, I was laughing aloud, and I couldn't just help laughing. I was really in ecstasy because for one day the sheik said no alcohol should not be sold on my soil and i said yes this is this is the epitome you know of practicing a religion and i was actually to be honest i was grateful to lord krishna that at least for that day for that said sheik stopping alcohol for one day i pray for him to be successful in all, all his endeavors so sometimes you know some some kings are still making effort you know to practice religion not as strong, it's Kali Yuga, it's going to be met with, you know, resistance in all direction, but I mean, they did what they could. Well, again, thank you, Mataji, for giving me the opportunity to speak, and um, I will defer back to you, Mataji. I was thinking I spoke too much, and um, I didn't give enough time for questions and discuss, discussions, so I'm opening up the floor for everyone to ask questions uh, or ask some comments to the conversation we had today. I apologize, I muted myself. So thank you all. In the absence of questions, I want to thank you all for attending and listening to my rattling on the Vedanta Sutra and the lives of Vaishnava Thank you all. Hare Krishna.